0: Thanks for joining me on this journey and welcome to the Journey with Jenny podcast on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV, where we hit all the topics that help and encourage you on this journey of life. Everything from health to mindset to business to finances, anything that helps you and makes your life better, we cover it all. Welcome, welcome. Well, I have a treat for you today. This is going to be a great conversation about how to heal your body naturally. And there are so, so many things that we can be doing on our own day in and day out that can be so beneficial for our bodies and that can bring healing. And the thing is that you might not even realize that you need healing in your body. And we're going to be talking about that today too. So the really cool thing is that it's not just me today. I have a very very special guest with me, and she is going to bring guidance and wisdom to this conversation. Risa Grew is with me today, and if you are not familiar with Risa, let me just share a little bit about who she is. Risa Grew is a functional nutritionist and certified autoimmune coach in private practice in Newport Beach, California. She has always been passionate about nutrition and good health. Risa was so concerned about purity that she made her children's baby food from scratch. Today, she is passionate about cooking and creating healthy, nutritious food. She works with a wide array of clients from professional athletes, adults, and kids to the biggest loser from season four. Risa works with issues like diabetes, autoimmune disease, cancer, digestion, thyroid, and hormone imbalances to name a few. Risa firmly believes that the body can heal itself with whole foods that we obtain from the earth, and she sees living proof of that in her office each day. She looks at root causes using functional nutrition guidelines, blood and stool tests, and knows that weight loss is a side effect of wellness. I am thrilled to have Risa here today. Risa, welcome. Thank you, Jenny. It's really good to be here. Oh, it is so great to have you. I'm just really thrilled for this conversation because I know it's going to be so helpful to my listeners because the thing is that you address things that are critical to our overall health and you help to connect those dots and you get to the root cause of their issues and just really help them to have that healing in the body. So I'm really excited for this conversation. So let's start. So you are a functional nutritionist. So let's start with that with with how does a functional nutritionist differ from a traditional nutritionists and dietitians? Because I think Uh, That distinction is really helpful because it can get really confusing (laughs) in the health world. It is confusing, isn't
1: it? Yes. Um, Yes. So we are very different, actually. Um, Very traditional uh, dieticians or nutritionists are usually looking at the uh, working with the government pyramid, or now we call it the government plate. And we're looking at sort of a one size fits all for everybody. There's percentages, there's um, different food groups. And I work very, very differently than that. So um, what I do in functional uh, nutrition is that I'm always, there. there's four pillars that my practice is based on. The first one is we look at root causes. So why is it that this person is having chronic bloating or or chronic headaches or constipation or diarrhea or whatever it is, right? Why is their thyroid low or, or, or what's going on? We're looking at root causes because we know that it's not a deficiency in medication, right? We don't have high cholesterol because we were born with a deficiency in- <laughs> <laughs> right. You so want to know what the driver is of that. Why is it elevating? Um, the second thing that we that I do in my practice is I look for prevention. So in conventional allopathic medicine, we're typically uh, looking. We don't treat anything until we're actually diagnosed with a uh, a, a, a disease. And so we look at prevention. The, the In functional nutrition, we look at uh, our reference ranges are a little bit tighter than regular allopathic medication uh, medicine. And then the third thing that we look at is we look at the body as a whole interconnective unit. So everything has to do with each other, right? Mm-hmm. In conventional allopathic medicine, we have different doctors for different appendages, different glands, different organs. We don't really look at the whole body together. We don't really communicate. So we do in functional nutrition. And the fourth pillar that we work on or I do in my office, is um, data. I need to see mm-hmm. the data. I'm not very good at playing darts with the lights off and I cannot <laughs> do <a> darts. <laughs> it's very I difficult. I'm very good at that, but I'm just not So I like to see exactly where I'm looking, where I'm going, what I know, what what health issues do we have? Do we have a congested liver or gallbladder, or do we have inflammation markers or, or dysregulated blood sugar or a thyroid that's off? So we need to know all the, the data. And I do extensive blood tests, as you mentioned, and extensive stool tests. I look at 84 pathogens. I'm looking at all kinds of things that can contribute to poor health. And at the end of the day, those are the foundational issues. I'm always looking at systemic inflammation and gut health.
0: That's amazing. Oh my goodness. There's so much to unpack there. And I absolutely love everything that you just said, because I feel like this is such a missing piece in in our our lives, period, as Americans, like Western medicine, Western health. And I would love to just unpack some of those things because I think this is why what you do is so beneficial. And I think there's a real lack of knowledge of understanding that this even exists and what you do exists and people like you that exist. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear a little bit of, and I think it would be really interesting for our listeners to hear a little bit of your backstory, of how you got here, because this is not a common thing, right? Growing up to say, Oh, I want to be a functional nutritionist. And, you know, often it's like I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. I want to, you know, a fireman, whatever. But so how did you come into this? Share with us some of your personal story of how you got to helping people find the root cause and heal their bodies naturally?
1: Sure. So I um, have always had a passion for nutrition. I don't know why. I just have always been interested in it. I grew up in a home. My mother was always on a diet or things were fattening or they weren't fattening or they were good or they were bad. And she was never really overweight, maybe five or 10 pounds. She wanted to perpetually lose. And then my grandma was always talking about the same language. Something's fattening or, you know, and she was always going to the fat farm for a year, every year Well, with my aunt. And I realized that was at the spa. They would go to Canyon Ranch and <laughs> that was called the fat farm. But, you know, I would call it the health farm. But anyway, Anyway, they, um, you know, there was just a lot of this conversation around me growing up. And I'm thinking, why are some foods bad and why are some foods good? So Mm -hmm. I... I just got really into health and um, and nutrition very early on. I went to college and got my degree in business and I ended up going down a very different road, but all, all the time I was always reading books on nutrition because I really was just very interested and passionate about it. And then when my kids were born, I thought I have the perfect um, guinea pigs here. I'm going to just give them real food and see what happens, right? <laughs> I'm not going to give them processed foods and sugars and dyes and chemicals. And you know, like everybody else was. And I thought, this will be kind of cool, right? Yeah. So I, as you mentioned, I made their food from scratch. Mm-hmm. I didn't give them anything artificial for a long time. I mean, um, it, it, was a, it was a process. So my yeah. kids do eat really well now. And they're not perfect by any stretch of the mm-hmm. imagination. But they really crave good food. So we all do because we eat real food a lot. So... Um, Uh, so, and then I was diagnosed, uh, with a hypothyroid when I was trying to get pregnant. I got pregnant my first time, um, no problem at all. And then, um, we were trying for baby number two and I just couldn't get pregnant and then I couldn't keep the baby. And we went to a fertility specialist and then he said, oh, you've got this underachieving thyroid and here's a pill. And I said, well, how long do I take it for? And he said, every day. And I said, no, no, no. For how long? And he goes, oh, the rest of your life. And I thought. Mm hmm, why am I taking a synthetic pill that is going to mimic something that my body should be producing naturally? Like, w- w- was I born defective, And why is this not happening? Right? Let's yeah. look at the why. Yeah. And um, then I went through kind of a checklist to realized what was going on with me. And I went down that list and realized, of course, all these things were pertaining to uh, miscarriages and infertility. Mm-hmm. But um, and then I was eventually, I had my son, uh, second pregnancy was great. And then after that, it was, shortly thereafter, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease where your body creates antibodies and it just finds a place to land. And in my case, it landed on my thyroid. Most people, a lot of people have Hashimoto's, very common. And um, autoimmune diseases are kind of like a, a collection. We like to collect them. So once we have one, we, we tend to get more. We <laughs> don't want that and you can reverse them. So I'm, um, I'm about 10 points Away from reversing my Ashima. Yay! Congratulations. Is, <laughs> thank, you, thank you. I can't wait to get there. And it's been, you know, I was at, uh, you know, 1456 was. Wow. Yeah, originally. So I've come a long way. Yeah. taken a lot of uh, work and dedication and research and all that. But It can be done. We do it in my office from time to time. And so um, I'm all about why, right? I Mm -hmm. want to know why is it that I got that and why I don't want to just manage it. I want to get rid of it, right? I want to be in this state of attack. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And thank you for sharing that. And Okay, so let's camp out in the thyroid because I feel like this is that. So that's the issue that really drove you to. That deeper research, right? I mean, you were already on this track, but then just the the deeper issue and the healing. And, and that is actually what drove me to the same place as well. It was that for me as well, and drove me to deeper research and understanding and that why question, right? And yeah. I feel like that this is this is a topic that that I'm passionate about, not only because it reflects my personal journey, but also because I know that it affects so many women. And mm-hmm. the thing is without them even realizing. It. They don't even know that it's affecting them. So I would love to kind of dive a little bit deeper into the thyroid because if someone is listening who is like not even aware that this exists, like I didn't know what my thyroid was. I had never heard of Hashimoto's. I'm like, I had to look it up. I'm like, Hashi, what? Like, I don't even know how to pronounce that. And so what... um would you say this is like you even mentioned, like it's it's a big problem? So tell us a little bit more about like who does it affect and why do you think it goes so underdiagnosed? Yeah,
1: yeah, um, you know, autoimmune is uh, increasing. The average person goes to six doctors before they do get a diagnosis of an autoimmune disease. Um, uh, thyroid uh, and uh, affects eight. Uh, times more women than men and autoimmune in general affects more women than men. Um, There's a lot of studies about this. They talk about uh, hormones and hormone dysregulation that could be a a part of this. But really, a third of it is genetics. And um, so more than uh, that's the big part of it. And then the second major contributor to autoimmune is leaky gut. And unfortunately, we're exposed to so many toxins now. And this is a new number, but the FDA has just approved 86,000. 1000 chemicals for us to use that is Ugh. an obscene number oh my god so any other country in the on the planet and over 3000 of which we can eat so we're oh, eating them, we're breathing them, we're putting them on our skin. We're just, they're in our, our our shampoos and our deodorant and our sunscreens and our perfumes and our chairs and our pajamas and our paints and our walls. I mean, we're just constantly affected by toxins and they do a little bit of havoc. So I'm a huge fan of detoxifying. Um, I have my own detox that I do regularly because you have to take the garbage out, right? You have yeah. to clean out the garage or you cannot yeah. park the car in there. So- really important to detoxify. So we've been exposed to all these chemicals and most people are unaware of these chemicals, especially in our food. We don't look, I look at, I look at uh, ingredients in, in supplements day after day. I mean, I just looked at uh, several today that I said, you want me to throw it out or do you want to throw it out? (laughs) There's just crazy amounts of, of dyes and, and chemicals and additives and sugars and I mean, it's just crazy the um, the impurities of what mm-hmm. we what we use, especially even our supplements. So yeah. um, that's a big factor. There's some other factors like pathogens and viruses, Epstein Barr virus, for instance. Mm-hmm. Can- dysregulate blood sugar and um, thyroid and cause up to 33 autoimmune diseases. There's a lot of pathogens in your gut that can cause autoimmunity. So I test for those all the time. And those are the easy ones because once you kill those, we usually see a reversal of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, there's things like a gene mutation MTHFR that is very common that I test everybody for. And and then there's lack of vitamin D and... um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so the, um, toxicity, and, um, mercury, a lot of heavy metal buildup,
0: mm-hmm.
1: another one. So there's lots of contributing factors to autoimmunity. And unfortunately we're a growing number because yeah. of reasons, you know, I mean, the, um, your genetics load the gun and the environment and your lifestyle, unfortunately pull the trigger. So you have to be really diligent about what you're doing, what you're putting in your body and, and how you live.
0: Absolutely. So what are some of the signs of a thyroid being off kilter? So if someone is kind of curious about this, what would they be noticing is going on? And they're like, "Hmm, maybe I do have an issue with my thyroid.
1: So the thyroid is sort of this very complicated mechanical system. And it, it, I liken it to building a fire, right? So when we build a fire, we have some kindling and we have some wood. No matter how much kindling and wood you have, you will not have a fire unless you have a match. So what I refer to that, the kindling is what we call our TSH, our thyroid stimulating hormone. Our t 4s are our inactive thyroid hormone, and that's the majority of the equation, it's 93%, that's our T4. And then our active thyroid hormone is only 7%. And that conversion needs to take place from T4 to T3. And a lot of people don't convert. And t 3s are our active thyroid hormone, so that's the match. So if you are lacking in T3, you're going to see fatigue, lack of weight loss or easy weight gain. You're going to see maybe some depression or anxiety, sleep troubles, constipation is a big one. Um, The outside of the eyebrows start thinning. The nails are peeling. The hair is thinning. Those are very typical signs of um, a low T3. Exhaustion. I had a woman come in today that was just like, I felt like giving her a pillow and a blanket. If I had one, uh, in my office, I would have just uh, and I looked at her numbers and she's in the tank. And so uh, she took a little thyroid hormone. So um, yeah. those are the symptoms. Yeah.
0: Okay. That is such a great explanation. I've never heard it explained that way before. So thank you for that. That's such a great image of understanding it. And, and that was awesome because I was going to ask you, okay, break down the T3, T4 reverse, and you did it in just the explanation of it. So that is awesome. So if those of you listening didn't catch that, go back and replay that several times to (laughs) break that down and follow that because that is a really, really great picture. So then, okay. So if someone says, okay, I, I, you just ticked off a bunch of things. uh, That's me. Um, I'm going to go to the doctor and talk to them about it. Talk to us about some of the pitfalls that they can run into. Maybe you would suggest not going to the doctor, but maybe you have other suggestions, but I know what happened for me was that, okay. And what happens to a lot of people, your numbers look great. Um, but then there's this thing called antibodies. And so talk to us about the antibodies, like talk to us about how the blood work can look deceiving, but you still have, have all these symptoms. So how does the, all that work out?
1: I'm super glad you brought that up, Jenny, because it is a huge issue because 99% of the people who walk in my office with thyroid issues come in and say, my doctor says I'm doing great. I've been on Synthroid for 25 years and I'm great. <laughs> so what they're looking at in, in allopathic natu- uh, conventional medicine is they look at TSH. So they're looking to see how much kindling you have. Now, if your kindling is not high, then they are just assuming that your body's saying, oh, there's, there's, we have enough fire, we don't need to make more kindling. But they don't even actually test it. Again, I had somebody come in today with labs, a different person who just had a TSH and a T4, but they didn't have the T3. And then there are basically nine markers that I look at. So in addition to the TSH, T4 and T3 are inactive and in your active thyroid hormone. They have four atoms of iodine and three atoms of iodine. We cleave off one to activate it. But when we look at hormones of any kind, I always look at total and free. Free means it's unbound, that's what's usable to the body. And total is a sum of what's unbound and what's bound to proteins, very helpful for guidance. Then I also look at reverse T3 because if you have a lot of cortisol, you're very stressed out, you have a lot of inflammation, you're going to start reversing your T3. So you might be fine with your T3, your active thyroid hormone, but your cortisol is pulling on it. And then we look at T3 uptake, which tells me is estrogen competing for the site? Same with men, it's estrogen and testosterone that's competing for that site. And then we look at antibodies. I do this with every person I work with. So we look at thyroid peroxidase antibodies and we look at thyroglobulin antibodies. And those are two different antibodies. You might have both, you might have one. Um, And that will tell us if you are in the state of attack, if your TH17 on your Treg cells have activated because you have autoimmunity and you're now in what we call a cytokine storm where we have a constant uh, cycle of of inflammation, cytokines are mm-hmm. inflammation, NF-kappa B gets involved and we start to get into this circle of inflammation. And if we don't change it, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And then we usually tend to... Um, accumulate autoimmune diseases. So I, you know, I want to put that fire out. We've got a huge fire in the basement and maybe they've come in with some Synthroid and they've got a little squirt gun trying to put out that huge fire. <laughs> right. I'm going to come in with that fire hose and get that fire out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, we need to put that fire out.
0: And can you um, explain, you mentioned leaky gut earlier. And so leaky gut plays into this with the autoimmune factor. So can you explain um just in layman, well, you're so good at just giving little explanations, like how does leaky gut play into this autoimmune part or any of it? (laughs) Leaky gut basically is,
1: is also known clinically as intestinal permeability. And what that means is we have one layer of epithelial cells in the intestinal lining, right? We have seven on the outside skin, but we have one very fragile layer of epithelial cells. So it's very fragile. And above that, we have some villi that protects us. Now things come through the system They could be stress, they could be toxins, they could be uh, organ malfunctions, pathogens. It could be um, bread, sugar, dairy, and alcohol. Gluten is a really, really effective way to start creating what we call tight junctions, those holes in the intestinal lining. And what happens is they all go through the intestinal lining and then they start to poke little holes, little fissures, they're called tight junctions. And then all these undigested proteins go in. So like people would say, oh, I'm allergic to eggs. Well, you're not really allergic to eggs, but you're showing a, a food. Food intolerance to them because that protein goes in and the body goes who are you you're coming in through the back door you're the enemy and it starts to create antibodies and we do this long enough when we get um, food intolerances and inflammation and then eventually we get diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. So it is critically important to what I call put grout on that leaky gut, fill those holes so that we just don't keep perpetuating this huge fire that we've got going. So what you eat matters and healing that gut is super important. Again, the detox is something that will pull the gluten, bread, sugar, dairy, and alcohol out of your diet and all those inflammatory foods and take out the chemicals. So we're not continuing to poke those holes.
0: Yeah. And so then it sounds like what you just said was a a really nice segue from the thyroid specifically that we were just talking about and then to broaden it to all autoimmune diseases. And then really even, I would guess wider to like, you had a list of all different issues and illnesses that you work with in your patients. So would you, what would you say is the commonality between all of these different illnesses and diseases that you see?
1: Systemic inflammation and, and, and gut health. Those are what it always boils down to. So if your gut is not good, if you've got bloating, if you've got constipation, diarrhea, H. pylori, if you've got heartburn, you have a compromised gut. You might have a compromised gut, and not have any symptoms. Eventually, you'll get them. But you've got um, a compromised gut, so it's really, really, really important to keep healing that gut. I take my gut reboot every single solitary day, and I've healed my gut years ago. But I'm always constantly coming into contact with with toxins and and um, and things that I need to to re uh, reboot it. Um, collagen is also really good. Fiber is good. Um, from plants and um, bone broth, those are all really healing. They have amino acids that help to heal those, uh, those intestinal lining um, holes. And then um, inflammation, you know, inflammation is the driver of disease. So you have to put the fire out. You just have to. If you've got blood sugar dysregulation, you've got inflammation. And I see labs all day that doctors order, and I rarely see them order the inflammatory markers that I order. How do you know? Right? How yeah. do you know you don't test? Exactly, exactly.
0: And I love that. So it really affects a wide variety of things. So if we haven't touched on something that if you're listening to this and saying like, oh, that's me. Like if you haven't said that one time, like I'm guessing you don't live in America <laughs> would be my guess because this is so, so common. So that mm-hmm. is so helpful. Thank you for breaking all of that down for us and giving us in depth and explanation. And we're going to take a quick break now, but then we're going to come back and we're going to dive into what can we do about this? What are Are the things that we can do and hint is something that you've already talked several times about that's something that we do several times a day that we can just clean up our act with. So we're going to dive into more of what we can do to help these situations and these illnesses and issues that we have. So thank you for listening to Risa Grew and myself on Journey with Jenny on SM Enlightenment Radio and TV, and we will be right back. Are back on journey with Jenny, and I am joined by functional nutritionist Risa Grew, and we have been discussing how to identify chronic illness and understanding the warning signs. And we did a deep dive into thyroid, and we are now going to switch gears just a little bit and just kind of come back to a higher level and talk about what we can do about chronic illness and diseases as a whole. Because the reality is, there is a lot <laughs> that we can do, and I i feel so often that i just feel like you know we think that we have to sit around and wait and get a diagnosis and then let the doctors give us medicine to fix things and it seems like just a very western way of thinking and looking at healing the body and just a a, i don't know if i would say a trap that we fall into or just it's just kind of what we do but i just really want to challenge you to understand that you are in the driver's seat of your health, and Risa is going to help us with understanding that and knowing what we can actually do, because the truth is that our habits make a big difference on our health, and specifically our eating habits, and I feel like this is just a real foreign concept to many Americans, um, so be prepared for pushback on this. i um, I was new to this concept and I remember saying something about this, about eating differently to help my thyroid numbers to my endocrinologist and he argued with me and like, he was like, oh, well that can't do anything. And I mean, like every time I went in to see him, you know, like we had the same argument, we finally agreed to disagree and I I was still new into it. I'm like, I started doubting, like, can the foods I eat affect, like, can can this make a difference? So I am here to tell you it can, shout it from the rooftops and I'm just really excited for research. to to break this down and help us to understand this, the impact of the foods that we are eating and what it can do for our bodies and the healing it can bring. So there are a lot of different diets, if you will, out there. I use that word diet as in just simply a way of eating. And so there's a lot of different kinds of them. And um, uh, Risa, I would love for you to help us make sense of this. So it's a two-part question. One is share with us what these diets are the pros and the cons to them, and then share with us who would benefit or what kinds of illnesses would benefit from the different eating plans, the different diets. So we're talking about things like paleo, ketogenic autoimmune protocol, vegan, low FODMAP, low lectin. So things like that. So pick and choose, do them all, do ones that I didn't mention, whatever um, that you want to share with us um, to just give us information about it. Let us know how it can um, heal our bodies.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. So I have been working with people for decades and throughout the years, I used to say, I used, you know, I tried it all and then a book would come out and I would say, oh, this is the way we should all be eating. And so there's all the science backed up to it. And so in the early years, I was like, oh, this, you know, this is how we should all do it. And then I would read another book and change. And so I realized throughout the years that it really isn't a one size fits all. It just isn't. And I know these books are great and they're great for us. A, 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 a certain amount of people, they, those people will thrive but not everybody thrives on every single diet type or eating lifestyle. And so that's why my methodology I created called Food Frame, because everybody has a different frame. You should be eating, according to my philosophy, uh, according to what your health status is. So if you have blood sugar dysregulation, I'm gonna go through the diet types in a second, but you should be eating a certain way. If you have different health issues, those are the ones that you should be focusing on. It isn't that, you know, we all have that friend or that neighbor or that coworker who just went on keto and lost 35 pounds. Yeah, like, what? I just tried it and I gave my chin. And it's because that person may be not well-suited for keto. Right. Not everybody is. So and I'll get into that in a second. But it really I mean, we have everything personalized. Netflix tells us what kind of movies we like and mm-hmm. tells us what kind of music we like. We we should be eating according to we all already do our genetics. We know we have a lot of genetic testing. I've done extensive on mine. We should be eating according to what we can eat. I don't do well with dairy. It's just every genetic test I've ever had says that. So I don't do a a ton of dairy at all. So I think in addition to our genetics, but it's mostly your health status. So I'll break it down for you. My book Food Frame is all about this. And this is what I do with every person I work with in my office. I always start with my detox because again, we need to take out the trash and it's a two week course. You're eating food. It's not about starvation. It's about cleaning out the the, the body and gently detoxing the liver and the blood. Now, people lose weight, it's not a weight loss program, but people do lose weight because weight loss is a side effect of wellness, Mm -hmm. focusing on wellness. We kind of take the bumpers, you know, we put the bumpers on, you're not eating all the bad stuff. We take out the sugar, the alcohol, the dairy, the, the gluten, and the soy, and then we're eating real food. And then during that two week course, while we're getting cleaned out, we're hopefully doing labs and stool tests. And then we come to the conclusion, we've got the the mat, we've got the, the target, we can, the lights are on, we can see it perfectly at that point. So there's six different diet types that I talk about in my book, Food Frame, because those are the ones I typically go to with people that I work with. So let's break them down. The first one is keto. That's this being in the state of ketosis. Being in the state of ketosis is when you shift your fuel source from carbohydrates, which we all are born to to use carbohydrates or um, sugar um, that, uh, turn, you know, carbohydrates turn into sugar. So it's sugar really is our fuel source. And that's what our cells want. That's where our, our cells have these receptors and the, gly- the, the, the glycogen, which carbohydrates and sugar get converted into glycogen when insulin gets there and it delivers it to the cell. And that's how we create energy. Well, in ketosis, we shut off that driver of carbohydrates or sugar because we're having less than 20 net carbs per day and we're fueling our body with primarily fat and it doesn't matter if it's good fat or bad fat it's just fat so this is the diet type for all the eggs and bacon eaters <laughs> so This is, you got all the bacon you want you're gonna slop some cheese on your <laughs> egg you can have cheese all day long um and this is a really it's about a 75 to 85 percent of your daily intake is in fat Again, doesn't matter about wow. quality. doesn't matter if it's good or bad fat, as long as you're having enough fat to stay in the state of ketosis. Now, me, I've tried this diet type. I couldn't even get into the state of ketosis. <laughs> I did a urine stick every day. I just couldn't get there naturally without wow. anything exogenous. So, um, some people can't. This is not hmm. a diet type for anybody who doesn't have a gallbladder because now we are uh, we tend to yeah, have too really much sluggy, uh yeah, uh, bile. We can't break down that fat. Um, It's not really for women. Women don't thrive as well as men do, but some Mm. women do. And then it's not really for anybody who has a lot of um, cortisol issues, a a lot of stress. They just typically Mm. don't tend to do well on keto. Interesting. Yeah. Um, But it is really the whole benefit of keto is to really break down. um, it, It brings down blood sugar dysregulation. So if you come into my office and you're fully diabetic, I'm going to give this to you as an option if you don't, if you do have a gallbladder and and I look at your stool test and I can see that you can manage fats, I'm going to say keto is an option for you. Very difficult to stay in ketosis, very easy to get out, difficult to to travel with, and I don't recommend ketosis for longer than a three-month period. It's good. There's a lot of scientific evidence saying that it doesn't cause heart disease. It doesn't uh, increase cholesterol. I've seen it in my office as well. Uh, people tend to do well with ketosis. The problem, I think, with ketosis or the challenge, is getting enough fiber because all plants have some form of carbohydrates, and it's very difficult. People have a lot of constipation because they're just not getting enough fiber. And to me, you got to have fiber because it's the it's the the trash truck that takes things right. out. Yeah, so that's I recommend it long term. Then we have paleo, and paleo stands for the paleolithic times, and these this is sort of the. Um, our hunters and gatherers, our caveman, right? What did we live on the land years and years and years ago that humans were supposed to eat? And that is animal protein. And it focuses on good quality, not the kind that's pumped with hormones and antibiotics and all that stuff. And then um, unlimited vegetables, any way you want them except for deep fried, um, sweet potato (laughs) pans and good fat. So eggs, nuts, seeds, um, olives, avocado, good oils. And this one is, if I had to say, to pick one and say, this has the broadest appeal, this is definitely it. It's Mm -hmm. easy to stay on. It's pretty much how I eat. Its goal is to decrease uh, systemic inflammation and increase good gut health. So it's very easy to do. uh, And it is um, very accessible. You can get a lot of foods to go, things that you can travel with, nuts and and beef sticks or turkey sticks and things like that that are, and vegetables that are um, really easy to go and hard blood eggs, things like that. So I like this one a lot. It doesn't have a ton of challenges. Um, so I, this is my favorite. And again, this will help decrease or stabilize blood sugar. So those are the two ones that I offer to people who have either insulin resistance, pre-diabetes or diabetic. Mm-hmm. Then we move on to low FODMAP. And low FODMAP is FODMAP is an acronym and it stands for fermented oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. And in plain English, that means because <laughs> how who understands that?
0: Exactly. <laughs> I didn't even know that's what it stood for. I just like always call it FODMAP.
1: <laughs> that's what it stands for. If you can pronounce those words during <laughs> shape, then you have to know what they are. So right. <laughs> at the end of the day, they're carbohydrates that tend to absorb water. So this is the perfect eating program or eating lifestyle for those of people who have chronic bloating, who have chronic gas. Who have IBS, Irritable Bowel Syndrome, or Irritable Bowel Disease (IBD)? That is what I would recommend. Now, this diet type, this eating lifestyle, is an elimination diet, so it's meant to go for thirty to ninety days. So, if you walk into my office and I find out you've got SIBO, Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth, yeah, I'm going to recommend low fodmap. Very difficult. Very. Um, it's it's not about. Um, calories, but portions are huge and portions of certain things. Now you can eat all the animal protein you want, but certain vegetables, these are different type of carbohydrates. They will um, cause bloating and gas. So you might be able to have one asparagus the first week, and then you can work your way up to three asparagi, asparagus the third week or fourth week. And every body is different. So I give a template in the book. This is how you should eat. But if you do okay with avocados and you're good at a quarter, but a half is going to wreck you, then you're going to stay at a quarter or perhaps people can't even get to avocados. They have to wait. So Mm -hmm. it is very individual, but it's sort of a structured elimination diet Mm -hmm. and that you can continually go on Um, once you finish. I'd say go off of it, see how you do with bloating. Of course, I would recommend some supplements for healing the gut Mm -hmm. and killing the SIBO or uh, treating the inflammation and intestinal lining for IBS and IBD.
0: And then you can go on that
1: anytime you want to. So you can go off of it for three years or three weeks and go right back on.
0: Okay. And you said typically like 90, 90 days. Is that what you said is typically how long you would probably do that for?
1: 30 to 90 days. Now, the sooner
0: you are up front, the
1: better off you'll be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So onions and garlic are like not, yes. those are really high FODMAPs. Yeah. So people just eat onions and garlic and they are really, really bloated and uncomfortable. They probably have SIBO, but get tested. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Christopher's of vegetables vegetables, apples will wreck them, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's low lectin and low lectin. Lectins are basically they fall under the under this umbrella called antinutrients and antinutrients. Um, there's lectins and um, phytates. And these antinutrients are the protective agent for plants. Right. So as people, if we get into danger, we can fight cake scream, yell, call 911, flee a situation. Plants don't have that ability, so they have what is called, what I call a hard candy shell around the germ or the seed, and that way they can stay protected so that they could survive and, and procreate, which is our two main goals as living organisms. So if somebody eats hummus and they bloat, oh, yeah, they don't do well with lectins, right? If we don't have an acidic environment in our gut, we don't do well with lectins because we can't break them down. So we need to have digestive enzymes in order to break those down. Uh, but lectins are found mostly in nightshades. Uh, those are tomatoes of all kind, peppers of all kind, no matter what kind of pepper except for black pepper, um, and um, and then eggplant and um, tomatoes, eggplant, and potatoes, all potatoes except for sweet potatoes and yams and goji berries. So we avoid those. And then we also avoid other high lectin foods. So they're all the legumes, all the grains, except for maybe millet, um, and you can soak or pressure cook your beans. Um, and then it, it decreases your lectin hmm. um, levels, but I still wouldn't recommend that for somebody who really wants to get, uh, help with inflammation. And, um, and so like squashes, the skin and the seeds are really high in lectin, So you can remove those cucumbers, Skin and the seeds, tomatoes, skin and the seeds. So those are things that I would recommend. Those are recommended to, to on the low lectin diet to just avoid.
0: And would you say that that kind of like the low FODMAP, like a certain period of time, is typically a certain period of time is beneficial to get past that? Or obviously, it varies for different people.
1: You can really live your whole life on low lectin. Um, you'll lose weight because it again decreases systemic inflammation this is a, a, a eating lifestyle that I recommend for anybody with autoimmune if they do the autoimmune protocol which I'm going to get to next after that because that's another elimination uh, program you're either going to jump on low lectin or paleo both of them will serve you well because it will help to decrease your inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, but anybody can do the low lectin diet um, and you'll lose weight and feel good. And, and there's uh, certain things you can't eat and certain things you can't. Um, and I have that in great detail in my book. And then there's AIP. And AIP is the autoimmune protocol. You're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who's been uh, diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, if they have not done it once, I highly recommend it. I see amazing improvements with people when they go AIP. It's a very restrictive. It's basically the paleo program. So we're taking out the beans, the legumes, the sugars, the alcohol, the coffee, chocolate. Um, we also take out nuts. We take out seeds and we take out um, eggs. So you're left with animal protein, lots of good organ meats. That's really helpful. Uh, unlimited vegetables any way you want them, except for deep fried. And there's a couple of bean, uh, peas, string beans and corn we don't do. Um, and then, um, and then, good fats and sweet potato, and we do have a little bit of fruit on there. There's select fruits that you can have in moderation. So um, AIP is great. It's also an elimination protocol, so it's thirty to ninety days. And the whole objective of AIP is to quell the inflammation. We've got this huge fire. We talked about. It's got to get in a fire hose to get there instead of that squirt gun you've been using. <laughs> so it really helps get the fire out. And you can do that forever if you wanted to, but it's highly restrictive. Yeah. So there's stages where you eliminate and then you reintroduce. Um, and I talk about that in my book as well. There's certain phases that you do. And um, so AIP is great for that. Um and then we have a uh, vegan or vegetarian. And this is when you take out any animal products. And they're in the book, I talk about different types of vegetarians. So some vegetarians will eat dairy and eggs. And some vegetarians, vegans won't eat any. And they won't have honey or anything that has anything to do with an animal. And so this, there's different types of vegetarians. So some vegetarians will... Um, be the carbohydrate diet, they're car their carb uh carbivores, as I call them. And okay. so you can very well do that and just live off of pasta and Oreos and French fries and coke. <laughs> That's not my definition of a vegetarian. No. Right. But people do it and all day long they're vegetarian and they come in <laughs> or they live on fruit and then their blood sugars are through the roof and they
0: They're like, why am I not healthy?
1: <laughs> why am I gaining weight? I don't understand. But- no, um, I talk about that a lot in the book. It's not my favorite. Um, I depend, you know, I test for MTH bar gene mutation. If you have that, I really don't recommend it because you need to get those B vitamins. You have to supplement anyway. Um, I absolutely believe that no matter which program you go on, you should be eat, eating 60 to 80% of your plate should be vegetables or something from the farm and, and the earth that's living that has fiber and nutrients in it. That's what our body requires. So I think I hit all... Six. Did I hit? Yes,
0: you did. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, thank you. That was really, really helpful and just so comprehensive. So thank you for going through that and just really explaining the pros and cons and what would be long term, what would be short term, short term. I think that would be um, that's really, really beneficial. So um, and That was just amazing. And I want to um, ask you, you mentioned your book, and I know you also have a thyroid course out as well. And so I want to give you opportunity to share about those and uh, share let us know how people can find you and connect with you, Um, but also give you an opportunity if there's anything else that you want to uh, just mention that we haven't touched on, um, go ahead and do that and then just share with us how we can connect with you.
1: Yeah, so just the last thing I would say is that it really does matter what you eat. Yeah. We know that, we we, we see it in here every single day and these pills that we get from the doctor are not necessarily fixing us. Uh, people walked in, I had somebody come in yesterday with seven medications, I said, how are you feeling? You, you probably have the picture of health with seven medications, and that's why I feel lousy. And I'm like, well, that's because you're not fixing it, you're trying to manage it. But medications really block a lot of nutrients. So we're plugging one hole at the front of the Bobo, two just popped up at the back. Mm -hmm. And then we just keep doing this chase. And then we don't feel well. And then we're not checking our nutrients. So it really matters what we eat. Get your labs done. Take a look inside and see what your health status is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I was just gonna say, I think that's such a great point. I'm glad you brought that up again because I did want to emphasize that just the amount of labs that you do, and this isn't just oh, I just think that maybe we should try this. Like you have, you have the roadmap, like you said, and I just think that's so important too that it is tailored to what you personally need. So I really encourage people to to understand that. And um, do you work with people long distance, or do they have to be yeah. in your office? Or no,
1: I work with people virtually all over the world. Actually, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, it's a great honor to watch people heal every single day.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I do have my thyroid
1: course that I'm super proud of. I have put everything I know and all all the years of research, all the tears, all the Googling. <laughs> I did it all in here. So you don't have to do any of that, which I would have killed for if I was, yes, therapist. But it's called Achieving Optimal Thyroid Health, and it really tells you everything, all the supplements, all the food, all the all, all the labs you need to order, how to read them, what they mean, different. I give a bunch of examples with people's blood work. And it's a really, really, really comprehensive course. I'm very proud of. Um, people can find me on my website at Resig grew Nutrition, R-I-S-A. Last name is G-R-O-U-X Nutrition.com. You can find my course there, you can find my book food frame there. My book food frame is also on Amazon, on Target and on Barnes and Noble. Um, and then I have my detox and a line of supplements that I'm super picky about. There's no gluten, dairy, soy, sugar, crap in them, no additives, dyes, chemicals. And um, I have all that there. Um, and, and and in social media, everything is Reese's Grew Nutrition, TikTok and, and Facebook and Instagram.
0: That's amazing. Thank you so much, Risa, for being here today, for sharing your heart with us, your expertise. I know this is going to be so beneficial and such a blessing to so many people. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for having this discussion. Yes. It's been so amazing. So thank you. And I will put them in the show notes, all of the links that you just shared with us. So it'll be very easy for anyone to just be able to click on that and go find you connect with you, find those things. And um, thank you so much. So hopefully it's been beneficial to all of you listening. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for joining me on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV or joining us on the Journey with Jenny podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please download my podcast and leave a five-star rating and review. It really does help, and I would be so grateful. I'm Jenny. Have a good one.